depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, sunnies. I'm Katie Dahl, and this is Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. Now, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I'm not a doctor, just a weird little funny lady, a person who is very passionate about you taking care of your mental health. And I just want to make you feel less alone. Wow, this election season feels like it has gone on for 10 years. I've been feeling really sad really, really sad, pretty much every day. Honestly, I was feeling so shitty that I wasn't even going to release an episode this week because I didn't have it in me to pretend to be happy for this intro. But then I remembered that I need to show up for you all. Right now is the most important time and I'm not going to abandon you in your hour of need. So I'm here. And Regardless of how many panic attacks or crying spells I've had over the past week, I am still planning to dress up for Halloween and take a photo. I'm going as the fly on Mike Pence's head from the VP debate. So that should be fun. Uh, my dog is has that white, wiry hair, so I think I'm going to try and make her into Mike Pence's hair. I might actually make my first ever TikTok. I don't know. I got to do something to distract myself, right? But with that election day coming up so close, I think it's really important for you and your mental health that you make a plan. Do not let it go the same way as it did in 2016. You know, we can't just drink ourselves into an oblivion. That's not healthy. So take care of yourself. Do better. Maybe you could plan to cook a special meal. Go apple picking, pumpkin patching, you know, all that fall basic bitch stuff. Or plan a Zoom hangout, whatever. If you are in our private Facebook support group, then I will be organizing something on election night. I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet, but we will have something for all of us to commiserate or celebrate, whatever the case may be. Now, on to today's episode with actress, writer, and producer Shayla Cole. This is very timely as we met back at a Black Lives Matter protest in June, and we recorded this in the beginning of September, but I think her story of overcoming Stereotype as a black female in America is something that we all need to listen to right now, as well as addressing the stigmas around mental health and how she is just a general badass promoting women of color in the film industry. And I think all of this will be super inspiring for y'all. So before we get to the episode also, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CryingBehindPod. Um, our fa- Facebook support group is facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod. The website, which you can check out after the episode to check out episode guides as well as resources for uh, mental health or black mental health resources in general is cryingbehindpod.com. And uh, just a small trigger warning on this episode, there is a lot of discussion about racism as well as depression. So figured I'd throw that in there for you. Anyway, please Enjoy. Shayla Nicole, hi. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so glad that we finally um, got to reconnect. Yes, yes, me too. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it. Yes, well, I appreciate you being open to talking to me. I know that it's a crazy time in the world and you're still actually one of the people that is working even. <laughs> so I appreciate you making time in your busy schedule. So you work in um, film distribution and finance, right? I do. Yeah. I am. I, we, I have many different uh, roles in that realm. Um, my uh, partner and I, we started a, a company called the Hudson Sterling Firm. Ooh, that sounds so fancy. Excuse me. Is that... Sound of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Basically, what we do is we uh, assist uh, independent filmmakers of color and women uh, with helping them navigate the world of uh, sales, uh, film sales, distribution, and finance by uh, helping them get their projects packaged financed, produced, and then sold. So we come in at many different levels um, when it comes to the life cycle of a, uh, of a project. 
So I love that you're dedicating your time to helping women and women of color. Uh, and they focus specifically on that. Um, that's so necessary because as I'm sure, you know, this, uh, this industry for a long time was kind of a boys club and there weren't as many opportunities for women in general, let alone women and women of color. So that that's really great that you're focusing on that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, We wanted, I think it's important, you know, for, especially if you want to start a a business is is to make it, make your business a mission. And I think that's, that has really helped us tremendously in really identifying our purpose and what we're really passionate about. Um, And I think with the streaming, it's really opened up um, a lot of avenues um, for indie filmmakers of, of color and for women. And I think that's what's held us back is education and understanding the mechanics of how it actually works. Because once you do that, you're able to, to get your foot in the door. There's room for everybody. And once you get one of those types in the door, you know, the flood, the floodgates <laughs> are open, you know? I love that. Yeah, it's kind of the abundance mentality. It's like, yeah, it's not like, oh, if someone takes a slice of the pie, then there's less pie left. There are pies for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> you took a piece of your pie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's more. I have my pie, you know. Everybody has pie. Exactly. Yeah. I forget who told me this once, but um, a friend of mine had a piece of wisdom that she dropped on me once. Where she was like, you know what? What is for me? is meant for me and it will not pass me by. And I feel like that's kind of the mentality you have to have in this business because um, there's always going to be someone out there that's doing something right. <laughs> that you wish you were doing. <laughs> so you're you're an actress and a writer. Did you, um, where are you from originally? Did you come to LA for uh, entertainment? Actually, uh, no, I've been acting since I was a kid. Um, I was born in Tampa. Florida, but then my mom moved us out to uh, SoCal, Southern California, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid. And um, I've been, I pretty much was uh, raised in Corona, California. And um, my mom, bless her soul, the woman was a superwoman. I'm not even kidding. She had three of us. Um, my dad, he worked and, you know, brought that good old bacon home mm-hmm. and was like, thanks dad for paying for this here light bill. Paying <laughs> <laughs> all the, you know, paying for, you know, our, our acting, my acting lessons. And uh, believe it or not, we grew up playing hockey. You played hockey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, my wow. brother actually uh, went pro with that. Uh, he, he went, he played D1 hockey and then uh, he went and played in the uh, minor leagues, which they uh, still consider to be pro for hockey. So um, my, you know, my parents just were really supportive um, of anything that we really wanted to do. And my mom would, you know, she had me in acting classes. I had a manager growing up and agent growing up and she would swoop me from whatever class I was in for whatever audition I had and figure out my brother and my sister. I mean, she was, wow. She was something. She really was. I I think about all that she did. Um, I mean, sometimes she would be sick and she still would take me to my auditions or my classes, or if I book something, she would, you know, still, still be there. So I, I have to say that I really had, a supportive, uh, uh, supportive parents. That's so beautiful and and unusual also because a lot of times people growing up, you tell your parents that you want to act and they're like, please don't do that. Please go into <laughs> any other field, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're like, please, please don't. <laughs> you understand what you're signing up for? But no, I think my parents... Um, you know, my daddy worked, he worked a, a lot. And, um, you know, my mom was really there to make sure, I think her big thing was she just wanted us to be involved in something mm-hmm. that was productive. I could have told her, mom, I want to be 
a professional base jumper. And she would have been like, okay, cool. So guess we're going to have to figure out what that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to have to go to the library, read some books, and we'll find a coach and we'll figure this out. And she was the kind of mom that always, that never said no to anything that I ever wanted to, to try. So that's beautiful. I love that. And there's obviously something within you that must be very empowered because you are looking to tell these stories that empower others. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that, actually. I love history. Um, I love sort of analyzing where we've been to understand where we are and to get a better <laughs> scope as to the possibilities of what we can be. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think through these, these, these stories of triumph, these stories of seeing ourselves in the position of ultimate power, ultimate defeat, um, who we are um, when no one's looking, you know, I, I, it's those kinds of stories that I find to be just fascinating. And those are the kinds of stories that I, I definitely get excited about telling. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. Who are you when no one's looking? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would your answer be to that question? <laughs> I would say I am a work in progress <laughs> on that. Um, it was my track coach. He would say to us all that, who are you when no one's looking? Are you doing the work when no one's looking? And I just kind of take, I took that with me throughout my entire life of a lot of the times, you know, when you see people get to where they are or acquire the things that they've acquired, you know, it's, it's the times when no one was looking is when the, when the work uh, was really put in. So. Yeah. Cause people are always like, Oh, you're so, you're so lucky. And that just happened so quickly and so easily for you. And it's like, there's very rarely such a thing as an overnight success. There's usually several years of blood, sweat, and tears behind the scenes, all this work that you put in so that when that opportunity does come up, like you've kind of created it a lot of times, or at least when it falls into your lap, you're like, what is that? When luck luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm, 100%. <laughs> 100%. And it's a thing too, is I feel like culturally... And my mom has always sort of trained us to, you know, never let them see you sweat. You do that behind closed doors. So I think it kind of adds to the, to the whole concept of, oh, you know, it's easy, you know, for you or yeah, you're lucky. And it's just like, no, I just, it, it, it's intentional, you know, because yeah. I have to, you know, I can't. I don't have time to worry about my own problems right now. I have, there is a need, there's a fire, there is a absolute necessity in me to achieve all that I want to. And I cannot afford to allow anything to defeat me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, I feel like I've always had that, had that in me and it, and it, and it I think it's served me well, and it's also backfired. (laughs) Please tell me about a time that it backfired, if you can. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I think the problem that I have had is, you know, when it comes to certain things, when it comes to uh, appearances and things looking a certain way. And I think it's because of the insurmountable amount of stereotypes that I have to not fill, that I have to prove false. Um, I think that uh, it is difficult for me to show any kind of struggle or any kind of weakness or any time when I'm super down about things, you know, I can't fall into to the the trap of complacency because where it's read as complacency with others, it reads as, oh, she's lazy, 
you know, really I don't want to have, oh man. Yeah. The, there's, you know, that, that, that stereotype of, you know, you know, being uh, lazy or wanting a, a handout or, you know, not really wanting to work for things, you know, that, that's actually been said to my face. And it's funny. I remember the first time that was actually said to me, um, I must've been in high school and that was really, I want to say kind of like a, a wake up call, you know, for me, because I, it was, and my dad calls it like, we've always been the, the acceptable Negroes is what is what, is what uh, we've sort of, cause we, I grew up in a, in a predominantly white neighborhood. So my dad is like, yeah, we kind of always been the acceptable Negroes. Um, the non, uh, what do you call it? They, they say um, like non-threatening. Exactly. Non-threatening or least problematic. What, what is that? Okay. But like, what is even a problematic? What, what does that even mean? If you are being problematic? Anyone that challenges authority, you know, anyone that, that comes across as, as too Afrocentric, uh, you know, is, is, is perceived to be a problem, which I is obviously ridiculous, but in order to, to, um, navigate, especially, you know, in the good old nineties, <laughs> navigate a predominantly, you know, white school and sort of, um, not have any issues um, I definitely did what I had to do to make sure that I was not labeled and I didn't have those types of stereotypes, uh, put on me, but I would have some of my white friends say some of the most horrific things about black people, but then, and I'm standing right there, but then turn to me and say, Oh, but you're not one of them. Oh, but, but, but you're not, but you're not like that. You know, like you're the exception to the rule. So, I mean, that, those kinds of things were said to me on a regular basis and, you know, just hearing, hearing things like that said about people that, you know, black people, people that are me, um, really, really affected me in a really, I think a serious way in that I carry that with me. I understand that when I walk outside my door, when I go into a business meeting, I'm not a representative of myself. I'm representative of a whole. Wow. That sounds like, I mean, first off with the friends saying, oh, but you're not like them is Mm -hmm. that's so much to carry because it basically saying that uh, they're kind of separating you from everyone else in your culture and deciding that you're different, even though you're not. Right. And then, and then also I would imagine did it make you feel like you were kind of like complicit in whatever they were saying just because they oh, felt yeah. like you were their friend? I felt like an outsider uh, most of the time. I felt as if it was my responsibility to change their minds about who my people are. And that was more of the, the thought process that I had was like, no, okay, well, I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Was the thought process. Yeah. And so you, you, and this is like at an early age, you said in elementary school, I mean, high school. So did you find a way to speak up that felt right for you or did you internalize it mostly? Like how- I internalized it mostly. And I, I made sure that my actions I really wasn't a, you know, into the whole, you know, talking thing. I was definitely more into the performance of, you know, what I'm going to do. So it's like, okay, great. I'm going to get great grades. You know, I'm going to excel athletically. Um, You know, I will make sure that I'm kind to everyone, you know, uh, around me and just show them that way. You just lead by example. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wasn't even gonna, cause the thing in my mind is even, even at that age, it was weird. I even, I understood then that there was nothing that I could possibly say that's going to change anyone's mind. The only thing I can do is Excel. Yeah. Well, and you have, 
I mean, it's it's impressive everything that you've achieved. If anybody ever looks you up on IMDb, I'm just like, wow, 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 wow. Uh, <laughs> so I I think you've definitely succeeded at that. But it seems like the second thing I was thinking about when you told me about those uh, friends of yours back when you were a kid is that it seems like it put a lot of pressure on you to be perfect. Yes, that that was very it was very interesting because I still I still struggle with that to this day of uh, and because I and I feel like even more so today because the stakes are a little higher. You know, because if I don't, I don't perform well, I'm not eating, you know, (laughs) and I'm, it's as simple as that. So, you know, um, I think the pressure of feeling like you have to rise to the occasion, instead of it being pressure, I've just learned to, to thrive off of it. And I've learned to, in a sense, I guess, really appreciate and almost covet the feeling of having to rise to the occasion and, and having that all right, you got, you know, it's, well, I guess I could use a hockey parody. You got, it's third period. You got five seconds left on the clock. You got a shot and it's tied. Guess I'm going to have to shoot this goal. Guess yeah. I'm going to make it. So I do thrive off of that feeling. So whereas before it was rough. Yeah, you got you to shoot your shot. It's like Hamilton. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shoot that shot. I love that musical. Did you see that um they put it on Disney Plus recently? Yeah. <laughs> Me and the husband have absolutely absolutely we were like, yes. It was funny for me because I kept waiting, like I grew up kind of a, going to theater camp and being surrounded by a lot of musical theater people. So when awesome. I, and Hamilton, uh, I kept wanting to see it, but I only wanted to see it if Lin-Manuel Miranda was in it. I didn't want to see it with other people. And I didn't get a chance. Like he stopped. He was like, okay, I pref- he did it. And then it was done. I was like, okay, well, I'm never going to get a chance to see Lin unless I pay who freaking knows, like some crazy charity benefit or something, thousands of dollars. <laughs> and, and then when he, when I saw that it was Disney Plus, I was like, oh my God, finally I get to see him doing the right? thing. Oh. oh yeah. He, that role, that was him. That was 100% him at, I believe his, his finest so far. Cause I think he's got a lot more to give, which I'm yes. excited. Yeah to see what he comes up with next. Well, I think he's doing In the Heights. That's the next thing. That's the film. I'm so ready for it. That's going to be so good. So good. Very, very ready for it. Yeah, like my inner musical theater geek, I'm just like, (gasps) I cannot wait. Did you, so did you do theater as well when you were a kid or did you just hop directly to on-camera stuff? Yeah, no, I actually, I didn't do theater until I went to um, college. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I was actually more of an athlete and I did, I did some film and television. But interestingly enough, when I went to the American Academy, it was really my first experience in the theater and I fell in love with uh, classical theater and I toured doing classical theater for, uh, I want to say four years. So Shakespeare? Oh yeah, Shakespeare um, and Greek tragedy, classical theater, and that's actually how I ha- how I met my husband. So we were doing Midsummer Night's Dream together. What? Okay, stop. <laughs> this is so cute. I was going to ask you about your husband anyway, but this is a great segue. So okay, set the scene. Tell me <laughs> who was playing what role. What happened? Were there sparks immediately? You know. <laughs> He, I was doing, let's see, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, we, we met, uh, it was back in 2014 and, uh, we were at a theater off of Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood and, uh, he walked in and, uh, my friend was directing the show and, um, he was just the best audition we had had all day. He just, he walked in. You know, and he had that, like, real man vibe, you know, not like that, you know, like, here, I'm a young guy trying to, you know, trying to make it. Nah, he walked in and was a man. And. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, wait, wait. We were like, 
So when he was like a man, what do you mean by that? Like he commit his presence commanded the room? Oh yes. He filled that entire room. <laughs> the whole he you know, great eye contact, you know, very sure of himself, but extremely um just polite and just a sweet human being. And um yeah, he just he just had a different energy about him. And um, he, it was interesting. We could have casted him at, as anything, but we didn't have a Peter Quince. And so we casted him as Peter Quince and I was cast as Titania. And I had done that show maybe four times prior to that. And he was probably the best Peter Quince I've ever seen. He we just started hanging out. He would send me pictures of food he would make. And he's like, yo, you hungry? I'm like, mm, of course. <laughs> I showed up over, <laughs> I would show up over his house and he would always have the most interesting people over and we'd have the greatest, just really cool conversations and just an interesting fun night. And, um, he did that for about three months and we just hung out as just, friends and I really enjoyed hanging out with him and then I will never forget it was December 11th 1030 2014 we were in our director's house we were sitting on the couch he turned to me and he said I know that you just got out of a long relationship but you are the woman of my dreams and I was like what? Oh my God. I love that so much. I got chills and I love that you remember like the exact date and time. Yep. <laughs> I knew right then. I heard that and I was like, Shayla, look at the time. I don't know why, but I was like, look at the time. He said, but again, I know that you just got out of something really long with someone, but you're what I've always wanted in a woman and I'm a patient man and I'll wait. Wow. And then he turned around and act like he didn't say nothing. And we have been together ever since. <laughs> what was your response, though? I, I didn't say anything. I just was like, okay. <laughs> cool. You. Wait, so did you, did you have a crush on him before that or anything? No. I just wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't pressed about it. I just wasn't in the mindset of being in a relationship with anybody. I was just, you know, enjoying having the opportunity to do really good theater. And, and so I was, I was just in my elements, you know, doing what I love to do. And I just wasn't thinking about it. And he just legitimately just dropped into my lap. And then now you've been married for a year, which congratulations. You guys are such a cute couple. Uh, I remember. So when I met you, I was the protest and I watched you give a very powerful speech um, which I really enjoyed and I thought was so brave and so touching and um, really came from your heart. And what I also noticed was your husband and how supportive he was of you. And he just looked like he was beaming and he looked like he was just so proud. It was really, really sweet. Thank you. Now he's, I always, I, I have a, a gratitude book that I write in every night and I just write, that I'm, I'm grateful for him. Mm -hmm. Like there's just is not a night that goes by that I do not write how grateful I am for him and his, his support. Um, and his just, his, he's just one of the most genuine human beings. And so just accepting of all of, me, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, you know, to have someone that you can genuinely wear zero masks for is, I feel like everyone in life deserves that. That's the goal. And also, I think it's really cool when you can date someone after you've been friends with them for a while, because like you said, you weren't thinking about dating him. You were just hanging out, being Shayla, and he was able to get to know you. And then by the time you get around to some sort of romance, you're like, oh, okay, well, I already trust this person. He's already seen me without me trying to 
whatever people do when they're like, oh, I'm going on a date. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you right. Out- you're like, okay, I got to put myself together. I got to put this on. Yeah, I know. And I think he was, like, he's a smart cookie. I think he, he said he had a plan because apparently he knew long before I did. And he said, I had a plan that I wasn't going to make it anything until I was going to make it something is what he said to me. That's so funny. Yeah. I feel like, uh, he definitely had a plan, obviously. I mean, he's cooking these dinners and just so happens to be inviting you over, showing you what a good cook he is and what an interesting person he is. I mean, that sounds like he was playing the long game. Oh yeah. He, he was (laughs) definitely playing the long game for sure. And I really wasn't privy to this long game until I sat, actually sat and asked him about it. He was like, oh, girl, yeah, I, I would plan the meals. He, it's really interesting because there's a lot of parallels between your story and my uh, current partner uh, yes. who I'm about to move in with. Yes. And, uh, we met when I was 14 in biology class. <laughs> and we've been friends on and off since then. Um, and I never like, I, yeah, I had a crush on him for a little bit, but like it never, it was never anything. It was just platonic. And we had both, um, had other relationships. He was always dating blondes. So I was like, eh, you know, he's, not, I'm not even his type. It's fine. Yeah. And then he called me. It was a very, yeah, I only bring this up because it's so similar when you were telling me, like, I remember the date. I remember the time, whatever. Yes, ma'am. About a month into this quarantine, I get a phone call from him. And he says, I'm in love with you. I've been in love with you this whole time. And I was just waiting until I felt like it was right. Yes. So now what did you say? I started laughing. I started laughing hysterically, which probably wasn't what he wanted. But he's kind of a jokester. He's kind of a prankster, you know. So I thought, you know, we're buddies. We've never been romantic. So I thought, well, this he's, he's pulling a prank. Like, this is not. I was like, are you serious? You had a long time to tell me this. I mean, <laughs> it, it took him, you know, he just wanted to, you know, he just wanted it to blossom and grow. No, he had a plan. It was a long game. Yeah, no, that is, yeah, it was, it was a very long game. Uh, so I just, I just want to share that with you because it was so funny what you were saying where you had no idea. I also had no idea. Mm. And it's really hysterical because you look back at all the interactions and you're like, wow, I really should have known. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, and he did this and. Oh, and he said that. Yeah, all the all the little things start to you start to play back in your mind, and you're like, yeah, it's cute, it's beautiful. It's, I it's, love that. <laughs> oh, congratulations! Thank you. I love love. <laughs> I love when people when people when it when it finds people and it's just genuine and authentic, and it just flows. Yes, ma'am. I was going to ask you actually, because I'm kind of embarking on this new journey. Um, and I'm wondering for you, like, what is the secret? Cause you guys have been together for a while now. What is the secret to the longevity there? How do you keep things spicy and happy? Um, you know, we, we, we have a, a lot in common. Um, but then we also don't in an interesting, it's so strange how we, fit perfectly but then we can be so opposite at the same time and I think the big thing for us is we our motto and just as a couple is teamwork makes the dream work and I think with us we just I genuinely just adore this man and I genuinely, there's nothing in the world I would not do for him. And it's beautiful because I, it's reciprocated um, through, through actions. And we just, we tell each other we love each other every day. Um, and we communicate 
every day, you know, um, and we're also no filter with the, with what we're feeling. I'm not one of those women that if you ask me, Oh, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. No, ma'am. That's, <laughs> that's not how I roll. Like you probably won't get an opportunity to ask me what the problem is because I'm going to tell you when there's a problem and we're going to work through it. So I think the big thing for us is, is, is communication and just we appreciate um, each other. And even still to this day, we have never gone to bed mad at each other. I mean, it's a testament to how much you care about each other and you want to really work towards a healthy relationship. Yeah. You know? Yes. Because that's definitely that's not a coincidence. Obviously, you and I are kind of similar in that way. I'm very outspoken. I also usually I don't I don't let stuff fester because I've done that in the past, and I know that yeah. if I let something stay inside, it's just going to get worse once I mm-hmm. finally say something. So I just say it, and I do find that that's a lot easier. And maybe. Some people might say like, oh, you're too bossy, you're difficult, you're too emotional. But it's like, no, I I say how I feel. I'm sorry. Right. And you are who you are, girl. Like you're going to say what you're going to say. <laughs> and and it doesn't necessarily mean that it, it's, you know, it's mean or, it, you know, it's just this is how I'm feeling at this point in time. And it's best to just deal with it and to work through it rather than rather than not because it's just like okay well good cute i'm bossy okay moving on this is the feeling (laughs) (laughs) i love it good cute i'm gonna say that next time someone tries to insult me i'll be like that's cute right (laughs) yes yeah that's cute you're saying that your your husband is really good at being there through ups and downs and everything and um since I do like to ask people about their mental health. You said that there's um, the last five years have been a little bit different for you as far as depression goes. Um, how did that start or what's what's going on? Well, you know, I've been through quite a bit um, just in the industry as a whole. And I didn't really fully understand what these ups and downs were. And, you know, really understanding um, what depression is. And, you know, unfortunately, in uh, the Black community, when it comes to, you know, seeking help for, um, for, you know, some any kind of issue you may be having, you know, it's like, wait a minute, we got to keep that in the family, you know, you don't tell somebody else your business, you know, uh, <laughs> and I think that just culturally, it's, it's, it's not something that we have been taught to do to talk to others outside of your paradigm or circle about your, you know, what you're going through. And I've recently within the last five years have started to to do that and understanding that, uh, understanding what depression actually is and how it affects me and just not, and it's not really just accepting it, but it's really just understanding that, you know, that's, that's what I have to overcome. And it's not something that I, that's easy, you know, for me to talk about only because it is kind of fresh, still new, um, I'm still, you know, understanding uh, how I deal with it. And I think for me, the biggest thing has been my weight. I think that I dealing with these, with my emotions and when I, when I feel like I'm, you know, going into something kind of dark, I emotionally eat and I really, I have to, I don't believe that it's something that I'll ever be like cured, you know, uh, from, I think it's something I just have to manage in a way that's healthy. Cause you know, my husband and I, we do want to have kids and I definitely want to make sure that I'm in a, you know, my kid has a healthy vessel, you know, healthy, healthy vessel to incubate that baby. (laughs) (laughs) When you say it that way, it's almost like you're just like a machine. <laughs> it's, 
it's crazy. I feel like our bodies are the coolest machines of all time. I mean, we, we are fascinating. We really are. And I always look at my mom and like, man, you had three of us. That's incredible. It, it is. And that, that's why when I think about society in general and how they try to push women down, it's because they must be afraid of us. We are magical. We can create other people. I'm saying. And like <laughs> multiple times. Like it's not even a one-stop shop. <laughs> <laughs> not, are you, well, I mean, for some women it is. But yeah, theoretically, you could, you could have... Yeah, <laughs> like you can do this. You know, it's like the craziest things that our body, what our bodies is just females that we are capable mm -hmm. of doing. And it's just, it's fascinating. <sighs> Women, we are, we're everything. <laughs> I, <laughs> Women are strong as hell. We, man, tru truly, truly, truly. Yeah. And I was, I was just talking about this to my, with my mom the other day. We were just talking about, she showed me, oh, ah, this is funny. I gotta show you this. Yeah, she found this. What is it? Oh, okay. Uh, for people who are listening, in case we don't see this picture, uh, this is the cutest picture I've ever seen. That's you, right? Yes. And that that's she, uh, she has like the per you have the perfect little braids. Perfect. How old are you in this school photo? I was in pre kindergarten <laughs> in this picture, and. My mom found this picture and I don't know what it was. I just looked at that and I looked at her and I looked at myself as I, I'm actually, I turn uh, 39 next Sunday. Wow. You look and amazing. Thank you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool. I'm actually really, really looking forward to, to uh, my forties. I really am. And I just looked at my mom and I was like, mom, you're incredible. You did this three times and I'm terrified of doing it once. <laughs> and uh, no, we just had a really good conversation and um, one that I'd never had before with her. And I think the cool thing about getting older and kind of developing a, a relationship with my, with my mom is I'm, it's no longer really parent to child, but I'm, and I'm getting to know my mom, not just as my mom, but getting to know her as a woman and really getting to know her as a human being and finding out all of the fears that, you know, she had and also finding out that, you know what, at the end of the day, I was the guinea pig of the group. So <laughs> I was the eldest and that's she like, look, I really didn't know, you know, what I was doing, but you know, I just knew that I wanted to be the best that I could possibly be. And that's all you can do, you know, as a mother. So. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that conversation that I had with her. Yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of re-meet our parents once we are no longer in that like parent-child dynamic. And it's like, oh, we're two adults now. So what does that look like? And it kind of opens it up because instead of putting your mom on a pedestal, uh, which she deserves, but instead of separating herself, her, her from you, you're saying, oh, this is a human with all different kinds of uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I want to know more about that. Right. It's like, I am, I am you, you know, and you are me. And just some of the, the choices and, you know, decisions that, you know, she had to make, you know, even, even with me. Oh, I was going to ask you, because I didn't really get a chance to touch on it. Um, you shared about the whole depression thing. I was curious, like, how does that show up for you? specifically like how did you notice that something was off I knew something was off with my weight gain and I noticed it when I would just it was just like mindlessly eating and not understand like Shayla like Shayla you're you're not hungry you know why are you what are you what are you doing here you know mm -hmm. to yourself and I've noticed that when I feel a certain way it's hard it's much hard harder for me to just get up and do normal things you know get up brush your teeth take a shower put on some clothes you know I have to put myself on autopilot um mm -hmm. to do just regular things yeah that's definitely a symptom of depression is when it's difficult just to get out of bed 
take a shower, et cetera, et cetera, because you just feel like you're down. And once you realized that you were having a problem, what did you do about it? Like, did you just kind of, it sounds like you did a lot of research. Did you go to a therapist or anything? Oh, yeah. I definitely, I talked, first of all, I I talked to my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time and now my husband, but I talked to him about it. I said, hey, you know, I don't, there's something that I'm, there's just, I'm not feeling like myself. And he said, look, you know, I suggest that you, you have to speak to somebody. I'm not going to think any less of you. No one's going to think any less of you. And if anybody does screw them, he specifically said, this is your personal journey that I'm here to support you Mm -hmm. through. And so I started to talk. I went to a therapist. I speak to a therapist once every two weeks. I speak to a therapist. And still, um, that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, That helps. That helps a lot. And instituting things like writing in my gratitude journal before I go to sleep I've noticed helps put me in a different frame of mind and then writing in my daily planner in the mornings that that also helps me, you know, get up because in the journal, I have to put three things that I'm excited about for the day and three things that I'm grateful for. And so that also helps put me in a different headspace. Yeah. Normally I would ask my guests for like a hot tip, but it sounds like uh, you, you just kind of, you get, you, you drop some knowledge on us. So if you have a bad day, is that normally what you do? You do your gratitude practice? I do it every day, whether it's good or bad. I make it a habit to make sure that I write. So before I go to bed, I have an actual, like a dedicated journal for writing out what I'm thankful for and um, writing like three words that describes my day. And then when I get up, I make a habit to make sure I write in my uh, a journal as far as, okay, this is, these are my plans for the day. So I just make it a habit to do that just to get myself in the frame of mind of just really being grateful uh, for what I have. I, I think that that's a huge way to turn around your mood because it's like, even if the thing that you're grateful for is just like, okay, I'm grateful for this journal that I'm writing in. I'm grateful for this roof over my head. Just simple things. It still, it it changes your mind frame around because it's really easy to get so lost in our negative thought patterns and to think, well, everything sucks. My life is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But when you really look around at whatever it is that you do have, then you can create more of that joy and more of that abundance and more of those things that you are grateful for. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a, and like you said, it, you are, you, you are, you're creating it. You know, I think words are so powerful and they're, they're super, super important. And, you know, if you, it's interesting how we say, oh man, oh, I've had a horrible morning. It's interesting how the day kind of goes like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they say, oh, well, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That's it. The, the whole day is right. Just- the whole day is just fucked now. That's it. Exactly. I would just love to know if you have any other words of wisdom for um, the crying behind sunglasses listeners out there, anybody who might be struggling, feeling lonely or feeling depressed out there. Oh, goodness. I guess I would just say, you know, surround yourself with people that love you. And I think that uh, talking, talking things out and not holding things in and sort of, you know, not being, you know, don't be afraid of going super deep within yourself to really find who you are. Um, it is definitely, you know, a scary thing. And, you know, I'm still in the process of doing that myself. Sometimes it's scary and, and sometimes it's not. But I think we all have to do that work um, to become who we're really meant to be. Wow. Well, cheers to that. Cheers to everyone becoming who they are meant to be. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. And if people want to find you um, online, if they're, if they want to chat with you, where can they, where can they find you? Where where can they check out your stuff? 
Um, on my on IMDb, uh, you could just look me up as Shayla Micole. Mm-hmm. So um, S H A Y L A M I C O L E. Mm-hmm. And then on Instagram, same thing. Just put the number one on the back of that. <laughs> and the same thing with Twitter, uh, Shayla Micole one. So thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, I've never really spoken openly about depression or mental health or anything like that and I definitely think that this is very much needed and I definitely think that um it's interesting I feel lighter having had this conversation yay that's so great it's awesome no I I I didn't know what to expect you know coming into it I was like okay well you know uh this is the first step to, you know, being, being open about parts of my life. And I definitely feel a lot lighter having, having spoke about it. So I really, really appreciate it. Hmm. That gives me all the warm fuzzies. That's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I find, I feel the same way. I think the more that we talk about it, the less power it has over us and the more we can just, we can just shine. Absolutely. Absolutely. You keep doing what you're, you know, what you're doing and um, anything I can do to, anything I can do to promote, anything I can do to help further uh, your mission, I am here for it. Well, you you just, thank you. You just did a lot by showing up and, and talking today. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that it made you feel a little bit less weird about whatever random shit life has thrown at you lately. There are some details in the description, but please be sure to check out the episode guide on cryingbehindpod.com for a list of all the fun stuff and resources that we mentioned in the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at cryingbehindpod. I've been your host, Katie Dahl, at Katie Dahl on all the things. And yeah, just, just keep your chin up, sunnies. Please be sure to subscribe, review, rate, or share this podcast with a friend who might enjoy it. Or don't. Honestly, live your life. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Next time you're sad, just throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and remember, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny.